welcome to the Mike on Much podcast. I'm your host, Mike Veerman. We're here with our friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman. We're also here with our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. Guys, we're back. We have a lot to talk about. Uh, we got some topics to hit. Of course, we got Shane's surprise near the end of the episode. And the big news, of course, was uh, Arkell's three-night stand at Budweiser Stage. Uh, what an event. Uh, what a success. Uh, Max, how are you feeling? Do you and, and Ash and the boys, do you all just feel like we goddamn did it? Yeah, we're feeling very relieved, you know. Um, I was saying on like the third, on the Sunday show, when we were going back to Budweiser for like the fourth straight day, because we did a full day of rehearsals on the Thursday, I said to Ash, I was like, you know, it's crazy, because like the last time we did it, we just did one of these things. Like this event would have been done, you know, two days ago, but we're doing like, it's a real marathon um, preparing for all that and trying to make each show different. Uh, so we're really happy, honestly, with, with the way everything went and, um, and relieved that it's over and everybody seemed to have a really, really good time. Um, but I want to thank, publicly thank, uh, my boy Mike Veerman here on the pod because as some pod listeners know, Mike is uh, a consultant uh, for me. Oh, <laughs> um, you don't got to do this on the no, pod. No, I do. I know. It's magic. fun. No, honestly, though, it's, you know, I think so much of our success in the band is like just leaning on mm-hmm. so, many, so many other talented people, whether that's the Northern Soul Horns or our sound guy or the Arquettes or at, like everybody offers so much. And it's fun to workshop ideas with people. And Mike, being a front man himself and a great wordsmith, is the guy I go to <laughs> when I'm like, okay, I have an idea. And, and we can talk about this. Like the, I, I usually come to you. I'm like, I have an idea of what I want to talk about um, in certain moments. And how do I how do I make it? Because Shane will say I'm a little long-winded, a little long in the tooth, as Shane has accused me of being <laughs> in the past. I never said that expression in my <laughs> life. I think you did. Did I? And okay. Yeah. Um, and basically I wanted to sort of update the rules of the show, rules number one, two, and three, and how do we make them fun? Because it's dance, singing, dancing, and taking care of each other. So Mike really helped. Shane, do you remember? <laughs> do you remember? <laughs> uh, no, sorry. The only reason I'm laughing is because Sean Dawson was standing beside me. And, um, <laughs> oh no, because he was there on Saturday too, right? Well, yeah, it was just the thing like you had a joke and it was kind of cheesy in, in a good Max way. Like, you know, you have a good pocket. And Mike it was would- the, it was the, it was the Anthony, uh, uh, needle bit, the vaccine bit. Uh, it was, he got uh, his first vaccine. People effects, are scared yeah. of side effects. Yeah. Well, I can't, I can't remember exactly what it was. There was a lot of bits, but Sean, uh, leaned over at one point and he goes, you write this bit? And he's kind of joking. <laughs> and then Mike comes in and goes, no, I did. And I just thought it was funny. <laughs> that is hilarious. That is so funny. Because Sean was kind of like, you know, prodding it and teasing the joke. But Mike like proudly was like, no, I did. But obviously Mike <laughs> writing in, in your voice. It was just a funny moment. That's why I'm smiling right now. Well, you know, I can tell you I have many. Some of my fondest memories are just on the phone of the last week. I've been just been on the phone with Mike. I'm like, all right, rule number two. <laughs> we got to dance. What's something we could say? It's like, you know, science agrees that dancing is like the best yeah, way to combat funny. the coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then and then we're we're going back and forth. Mike's like nine out of ten doctors agree, and the one who didn't agree couldn't get tickets to the show. <laughs> and then I was like, no, wait, scientist is a funnier word. It's a funnier yeah. word than doctors. Yeah. And then we're both like laughing and talking, like say like because it's so weird. Like, how does Max know ten scientists? Like, I just like yeah. the weird concept of that, and of it's course. such a funnier thing. And so we're laughing with that. And then so on Sunday night, the shit the show that Shane and I went to, when it gets to the bit. I'm like, say scientists, don't say doctors. And then you said scientists, and then the crowd like it got a response, and I was like, yes, I'm like nailed it. But yeah, I mean, I love those calls. Like I was, I when you called, and you're like, all right, we got to workshop some stuff. 
I'm like, yeah. Dan, I'm stepping out onto the back porch and I'm just, you know, I, I, it's really, really fun to sort of go through those things. I thought that bit board. took a little bit of guts. I liked it that you went there. Oh, thank you. And, <laughs> and just claiming that you have the cure and all that is just funny. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, the, Mike also had a great line. It's like the coronavirus can't catch you if you keep on moving. <laughs> yeah, keep dancing, keep shaking your ass. Yeah, <laughs> which is so ridiculous, uh, so fucking funny. And then rule number three was just like we got to take care of each other. And then we had this idea of like be the most charming. Get- we basically had probably Mike had Matt McPeak in our in our head as we were writing this joke. No doubt. We're basically it's like you want to be that one friend that that whose jokes always land, that make people feel good, that pick up the bill at the end of the night. Like tonight. Be that friend. And fuck, I didn't do the button though, Mike. And the button of the joke was, and if you're already that friend, keep it up. Keep up yeah. the good work. Yeah, <laughs> keep exactly. the good work. Yeah. Um, but that was great. And then also like the, this vaccine bit with Tony, uh, which got a little bit of backlash actually, um, because some people thought I was making like light of vaccinations, which I wasn't. I was just playfully trying to encourage people to get the vaccine and the absurd concept that one of the side effects of the vaccine is that it turned Tony into a superhuman piano player. Great piano playing is one of these side effects. Yeah. Yeah. It's a silly bit. <laughs> and some people were offended by that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, some people were like, you know, you know, some people had personal stories that they suffered bad side effects. And other people were like, don't make this into a political thing. Of course, we put the bit up on TikTok and TikTok's like a cesspool for that kind of uh, commentary, which is like, oh, you guys are fucking, you know, Trudeau loving vaccination, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like, okay. Oh, uh, but, um, but that felt really good. Um, we had this thing, which is admittedly like a bit melodramatic, but then at the beginning of each night, we had like a voiceover from me. Which was like, you know, we're back. I liked that. I liked that touch. And I thought your read was really good. I, I oh, actually, thank you. it's so funny. Yeah, because we were there for the start of the show and the lights are down. And then you have like, you come on the mic or whatever. But mm-hmm. those things are hard to read in a way that's not like Shane and I, like we do this for a living, you know, like trying to get the right VO read. And in a setting like that, it's like, it can be cheesy or flat or too dramatic or whatever. And I actually, I, I haven't even, I didn't even tell you this, but I thought that was a nice touch. And I thought you nailed the, the read. Well, the premise is, is, is cheesy and corny and over the top, I think. But if it, but if it's executed, you know, I was inspired because I, um, went to the Jays game and they did this big opening ceremony the first day they were back and it made everybody cry. Everybody there was crying, like looking at this video montage of like everything the city's been through since the Jays were last playing at the, at the Skydome. And I was like, oh, it would be cool if we could do something like that. And even pitching the idea to some, some folks on the team, they're like, ah, oh, is this really going to be good? I was like, you know what? On paper, it sounds bad, but let's just do it at soundcheck the night before under the lights. Let's sit out front. Let's not be like backstage. Let's actually take it in. And everybody on the crew and our management and agent, everyone was like, oh my God, that's fucking awesome. Like nobody, it's, it's a big, again, a shame, like a big swing to do that. And it's easy to roll your eyes at, but I think everybody, like some of the biggest cheers of the night was when we give a shout out to like the frontline workers and the bus drivers and all that in that speech. So, so that, so that was a very like redeeming moment. I think that, that felt, felt pretty good. But anyway, Shane, I, I want, I want the Shane take on, on the show, the after show. We, we saw each other briefly at the after show. We didn't really talk at all, but I was like, which I'll is to be expected. The- you know, there's so yeah. much glad handing that goes on after those shows. I know you need to spend like uh, at least 30 seconds with every single person who attended the show. So that adds yeah. up. Um, but yeah, I was, you know, I'm still hungover now. So I, 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 I would. 
drinking <laughs> tall cans <laughs> is hard. And, and they only sell tall cans. And, you know, you, when you're doing the drinking math, you forget that a tall can is what? Like really a beer and a half? Or is it a, a At least. beer? Depends on how big the, the tall can is. And you, you don't want to just buy one because you buy one and then you go back to your seat. And you don't want to ask everyone to move again to go get another beer so that you end up getting two every time. And before you know it, you've had six of those, which is like, you know, that's <laughs> close to 10 beers. And I I, uh, I drank six drinks before the show. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, this is a big night out. By the way, Alex was with you. So I was Alex very was with me. And so was J.R. Diggs. J.R. Diggs came with me. <laughs> yeah, I know. Which was kind of a bummer for Alex because he called me. <laughs> He called me an hour before uh, he was about to go to the show, and he goes, dude, where are you? I didn't know you were going to the show. Max just told me that you're going. I'm like, yeah, I'm in Hamilton right now. We're, we're going to go for dinner, and we're going to go to the show. I was like, what about you? He goes, no, I'm probably just going to drive there. I might go with a couple of buddies. Next thing I know, he, he messages me that he's outside my house. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like oh this is kind of good in a way because jr doesn't really drink alcohol he's one of those people he pretends he's drinking alcohol yeah so <laughs> he, he usually drives and i'm like alex this is great jr is gonna drive us, us down i'm trying to spin it like we don't have to go on the bus or anything like that but we walk out and he goes dude what are you doing why are you walking towards me and I'm like, oh, we're, we're going to your truck. And he's like, oh, no, I was just coming to chat on your balcony. I'm like, oh, well, we're going out for dinner right now. So then um, I, I, my dad was watching the kids because we needed babysitters. So my dad drove J.R. Diggs, me and my wife, down to have dinner. But then J.R. left his car keys in my dad's car, and he was super bummed out from that point forward. And J.R. didn't like the restaurant we went to, and he was very grumpy. And uh, <laughs> J.R. eats and drinks extremely slow, and he over-talks a little bit while, while he's eating dinner, too, in addition to being slow. So he didn't so touch. Night is being and Alex was grumpy and I'm trying to make everybody happy and it's not working. And we missed our bus because Mike told me the bus or the train, sorry, took off at 615. But the train yeah. actually took off at 613. My bad. And these train times are very pinpoint accurate. So we were like, oh, do we do we spend the Uber or do we get another drink and wait an hour? So we ended up getting another drink. And uh, waiting an hour. So I, I was pretty inebriated just by the time we got to the show. I fell asleep in the train. I woke up in kind of a, a stupor when I walked into on the, the van. On the train in. Oh, on the train yeah. in you fell asleep already. <laughs> yes. And then I woke oh up. And God. you know when you take a nap, sometimes you wake up uh, from that nap, you got a little bit of a headache. Yeah, if you add argue. six drinks to that, it's kind of like a weird migraine type of fog you're in. Oh and then God. I was walking to the venue and you were doing that weird, uh, inspiring, I mean, opening speech. That, <laughs> and I was like, what's going on? I wasn't sure if I was in the mood for the show. But by the time I got to my seat and all of our friends were there, it was really exciting. And, uh, you know, I was drinking all the tall boys and I thought the show was great. And uh, your outfit was very interesting and fun. And <laughs> just just look, looking at everyone's outfits was just fun. Like, oh, like Nick's going for like this. He's wearing a chain over his shirt. And everyone was like in their own style bubble. And I thought it was fun. And yeah, I just had the best time ever. It was the best possible party you could ever imagine. And 
you know, the when you sang that song that you wrote about Anthony's dad, that was very emotional, especially mm, if you've more, had yeah. 11 drinks. It really brings a tear to your eye. So, yeah, I don't know. I had a great time. And then the after party, Nick Nurse is there and he's buying everyone shots, which <laughs> was exactly what I needed at that time. <laughs> at 2 a.m., that's what I needed. Just, you know, really high expensive uh tequila going down my tequila. throat well nick doesn't drink but he was he he took his uh, like a, one of his assistant coaches out and like his driver that normally has to be like on the job i think so his driver who's a hamilton guy was very excited to be out and about and was very excited to be as generous as possible so he just came up to me and by the way this after party it was sort of like this like upstairs like part of the restaurant at budweiser stage and it was there wasn't like that many people there there's maybe in his outdoors like patio space so it was safe maybe there's like 25 people there like all together and this fellow george uh comes up to me and he's like max i just got us two bottles i'm like oh wow that's like really generous so the server comes out starts pouring these shots of tequila and then like everybody like has like has to do like two to get rid of the tray like they were like <laughs> okay we're trying to get rid of this and then he comes up to me like 10 minutes later and he's like max just bought two more bottles i'm like george there's like not like people are throwing you and by the way these bottles are like the clay uh, tequila They're like the bottle. most premium expensive bottles. Like Nick went all out like, like cause, cause this is Nick's dude, right? The guy yeah. that's basically sorting this out. Uh, and these are like the most expensive bottle in the place. In, in the place and got and like at, at a certain point you're throwing them over your shoulder like you're not even <laughs> drink, you're not even drinking it <laughs> and i was uh, standing behind you when you did that and accidentally <laughs> went them in your yeah, mouth yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was like oh yeah, another like, one oh. yeah it, it fell right into your mouth yes. yeah, yeah. you caught it with your mouth <laughs> good uh, joke max <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> just steals Mike's exactly what Mike just said. Um, oh, I didn't hear Mike. I didn't hear Mike. Oh. But it but it was fun um, to see everybody. Um, you know, another funny little. I mean, there, the thing which is cool is there's so many like kind of connections being being made. People getting to see each other for the first time in a while. We got so many nice notes from people being like, "Oh my god, I'm still like high from Sunday." Basically, just the excitement of being around people again. Um, our good friend Sean Dawson. Um, he is in a text group. A WhatsApp group text with other Chelsea fans, including our uh, saxophone player, Dennis. And Dennis actually hooked Sean up with tickets to a Chelsea game in London a couple of years ago. And they talk every single day about Chelsea and other related things, I imagine. Not Chelsea, Sean's wife, Chelsea, the football team. <laughs> and um, they met for the first time uh, that on Sunday night. Or maybe I think it was Sunday. But anyway, so the, the two of them got to actually like hang out in, in real life. Which oh, yeah. Cool. Sean was so, excited about that. Yeah, so it was cool. So uh, we were we were super happy. Hey, um, did you have, did you have a chance to talk to Nick Nurse, uh, uh, Shane? No, but he was talking to my wife for about twenty minutes. But I was, <laughs> was yeah, I had an eye on him. Made sure they kept it to basketball. You know, we we can trust uh, Nick, right? Of course. Okay. Of course. <laughs> can we trust Alex? I don't know. That's the thing. <laughs> we uh, well, because yeah, we we get in there actually. So we were sitting like you guys and Ash did such an amazing. You put all of our group together in like one row. It was like it was so amazing. And um, first person I saw when we got there was Molly, who is obviously married to Mike D, who's in your band, and she was like a veteran. This was her third night in a row, and so she was sort of like given the lay of the land. And then when it was time for like the 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 this after thing up on that that patio in the sort of like private area, which was really cool to like kind of go and do, she was like sorting it she's like okay wristband here wristband here. and she just was oh, like wow. oh she was on it and then um and then of course the nut he was also like uh doing some traffic control uh but um we get in and then 
we're hanging out and then you guys come in and then all of a sudden Nick is there. And because like we directed Nick uh, in the original sort of rally video, like, you know, a year and a half ago or whatever. Um, I say like, what's up? But again, much like Shane, we're all just crushing these tall boys throughout the, 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 the show. So I've got a good buzz on by the time this after show starts. You're like, oh, you remember Mike? And I'm like, oh, hey, Nick, what's up? I couldn't help myself. First, I was like, you didn't get up and play a song. How great were they? You know, I talk about Arkells and I'm just waiting for my moment to be like, I really wanted Jalen Suggs. You guys went with Scotty. Come on, <laughs> Nick, make it make sense. And so I, I just sort of like, I, I broke that down. I, I just said, you know, Scotty just had a great game at Summer League. And although I was a Jalen guy, I'm, I'm really coming around on Scotty. And, you know, Nick laughed and he was very gracious. And he was just basically, it's like, oh, you know, we really believe in Scotty. And then he sort of went into how he was jamming with you during the day yeah. on stage. He was like, I, I was feeling it. We were jamming. But then the show got going and they were doing their thing. And and then, you know, I, I was like, I was like, well, you know, I missed you up there. You're like the sixth Arkell. And then, uh, <laughs> And then I was like, okay, V-Man, this is your gracefully make your exit. And then he still hung out for like another hour. But because, again, we're drinking, I'm doing shots. I'm like, do not go near Nick Nurse again. I like, I, I basically did that like self-preservation thing in my mind where I'm like, <laughs> I do not want to see you, Mike Veerman, in another conversation with Nick Nurse because you are now getting too drunk. And you know he doesn't drink. You've said your, your joke about Scotty Barnes and Jalen Suggs. You talked about the show. I'm like, that is the perfect. Next time yeah. you see him, it should be good. And so I, I set that little parameter for, for myself. But he was great. I'm Shane. I'm surprised you didn't talk to him. Well, I just had an eye on him because, you know, um, <laughs> it was funny because er earlier in the night, like JR likes to have ridiculous conversations at dinner and prod Alex with a bunch of ridiculous stuff. And he's like, what if something ever happened to Shane? Like, what if you guys ever broke up? Well, what could, who would you go for? What type of guy? She's like, I think a really rich guy. Like Alex was just saying. <laughs> sure enough, her and Nick just chatting it up, setting the setting the stage in case anything happens to old Shaney boy. But yeah, no, I get, I get nervous around celebrity. And I, like you... I was, you know, I was too excited to go out. It's like classic dad syndrome. You get one night out, especially you you compound that with a pandemic. And I overdid it. And I knew that. And I was aware of that. I was just aware enough to know that I'm probably not a person who can form articulate, well thought out sentences. <laughs> well, that's a funny thought though, Mike, because um, I feel like everybody has a version of that, of being at a party and, and wanting to talk to maybe like a celebrity who you kind of like know, or you really want to talk to or make a good impression on. And you're like, I can't be, and you're just telling yourself the whole time, don't be that guy. Don't be that fucking annoying guy, but be cool. You still want them to know who you are. You still want to have like your moment with them, but it's just like finding the right moment to do it. I remember um, seeing the 1975 at Budweiser stage two summers ago, and I was standing in the pit and maybe like 15 feet to my left, Sean Mendez. And we've like interviewed Sean Mendez, like we yeah. like for the pod and he'd know who I am. So I wanted to go say hi to him, but I also didn't want to be like, hey, Sean. <laughs> he's like a 20 year old kid. Like, right. And then I finally was like, kind of, hey, man, good to see you. And he was very nice and sweet. But I was, but even then I was like, oh, did you, did you need to do that, Max? But then maybe it would have been rude not to do that. You know, like it's, uh, those mind games that you play with yourself oh, in those man. moments is so stressful. <laughs> I'll never forget I one year, I might have told this story on the pod, but I, I was wrangling Fall Out Boy uh, for the Much Music Video Awards for the MMVAs. And I was like their guy throughout the show. I got them to their performance. They did Sugar We're Going Down um, and Dance Dance. I think they did like a medley and whatever. So like during the day, you're with them all day. And then at showtime, you have to get them to their spots and make sure they're the stage and they're up for some awards. So you kind of build like a bit of a rapport and cut to the after party and because i'd built this rapport i felt like oh i should go up and like i'll say something you know and i'd had a few drinks and and the singer uh, patrick uh is his name he's talking sort of to somebody and i'm kind of walking by and 
I thought we kind of made eye contact. So I kind of saw that as my opening to be like, I was like, hey, I was like, you know, that moment in uh, Sugar Going Down where you sort of did a vocal run that deviated from like the song. I was like, that was like, that was amazing. Like, what the fuck am I thinking? As if you need to hear this from me, the kid that wrangled. So I'm just like, so I say it and Pat's in this conversation and he, he turns and he looks at me and he lets me finish talking and he goes... He nods. He goes, okay, I'm going to go back to this conversation now. No, and no. I went, I went, oh yeah, cool. Later. And I was like, I walked away like Chris Farley, like in that, that famous sketch with Paul McCartney. We're like, stupid, stupid. Why did you say that? Why did you ask it? And I was just like, I was like mortified. Shane, do you got any of those? Uh, oh, geez. Uh, no. I mean, I you told, you told the Jason Schwarzman one already. Oh, which where is like I just rambled on. There's actually footage of that. We aired for our Crave show where I'm just rambling yeah, on and on. But Jason's such a ridiculously nice guy. He wouldn't even pretend to be rude. Like he, he just, he doesn't know how to be rude or inconsiderate. So he just mm-hmm. let me keep going. And then he even filmed the skit with us. <laughs> but an example, I think where I really wanted to talk to somebody and they just didn't want to was uh, Johnny Knoxville outside of um, <laughs> a hotel. Uh, for It was the Toronto International Film Festival and I was looking to interview celebs. But this was just a moment where I wanted to talk to him. And he was having a cigarette with two younger women, probably in their early 20s. He was looking very cool. And I was with JR and I was like, all right, let's go talk to him. And like, you're very charismatic JR and everything. And we'll be able to like have like a five minute chat with him. So we're building it up. We're building it up. And we just go, hey, Johnny. And we walk up to him and he just looks over and goes, hey, guys. And then turns his head to us for a split second, just goes back to the women and just like boxes us out. So we do not talk to him any further. We're like, hey, yep. And we just kept walking. But it was a lot of build up for nothing. <laughs> Well, um, Mike, your your idea with Patrick is is an interesting one, and I think it, it crosses a lot of people's mind. We're like, okay, what's the thing I'm going to say that is that is more interesting, that'll make me more memorable, that will be different mm-hmm. than every other fan thing? And, and that's happened to us a few times where someone's like, yeah, I noticed this thing, yeah, the key uh, change that you did in the thing, original. and whatever. <laughs> and and, and I, I'll be on the receiving end of that. I'm like. Yeah, I don't. I don't really even know what you're talking about, or I don't remember that, or totally. Cool. Uh, it's it's so sometimes, yeah. Like the better move is just being like, just super like, hey, really appreciate it. That was awesome, or whatever. And then it almost makes you want to. Oh no, no, let's hang out a little bit. Be, oh, because I did that too. Um, I told this story on the pod to Hannibal Burris in the fucking airport at LAX. <laughs> yeah. did, did I tell you? Did I tell this story on the pod? I think you did it on the pod, but tell it again. Well, just real quick, like he was. I was like sitting there waiting for our flight, and then. He, he walked by and I did the like overly sheepish thing where I'm like, Hey, sorry. I know, I know, I know you probably don't, I hate to do this. I'm really sorry, but uh, I, I'm a big fan. Uh, yeah, I, this, uh, you know, this is so, stupid. but anyway, I really like what you did in whatever show. I, and then he's like, and then he just kind of looks, he stops. And he's like, yo, bro, can you just like chill out and talk to me like a normal person for a second? Whoa. <laughs> I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm doing the thing that I get done to me. Um, but yeah. It's, um, I will. I will say too. I, I think I made art. Patrick sound very rude in this retelling, and and it was a somewhat like jarring response. But upon further reflection, if I'm being honest, I think I did probably interrupt his conversation. I think I probably did. I thought I got the eye contact, and I probably butted in a bit. But it was like it's a loud bar. It was an after party at the MMVAs back in like 2005. I can't remember what it was, but uh, yeah. But I just remember being like. Don't do that again, Mike. Like that was a learning experience. And thank God it was with Pat from Follow Up Boy. Like, you know, it, it is what it is. And it just became mm. a funny story. But I was mortified in the moment. But correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, but didn't you have a moment with Pete Wentz where you slipped him your CD? 
<laughs> Didn't that happen? That also happened. Yeah. Yes, I also did that. I had we had our our like little racket record, like our first record that I'd like self funded and we produced and all that with our friend Siegfried Meyer. And I'd built like a rapport, and so uh, Pete was very cool, and he did take it. Um, he probably threw it out the minute he walked away. Who knows? But he was gracious about taking it in that moment. This was actually still at the award show uh, when he was leaving. And then nothing came of that. And then ironically, years later, uh, when I was in San Sebastian, we get like the record deal with Universal. And then our Young Youth video comes out. Check it out. It's still on YouTube. And Pete Wentz, called, like he basically gets in contact with us. He's like, I've seen the video. The song's amazing. And we were playing, like we were doing this like arena tour opening or whatever um, for bands. And we were like, I remember we were in the dressing room and we get on a call with Pete Wentz from like New York City. He's in New York City. And he basically is like pitching us on why he wants to work with us and what he thinks of the the video and all this stuff. And in the moment, like, because we knew the call was coming through, everybody was like, um, you got to tell Pete about how you tried to give him a CD like five years ago or whatever. And I was like, fuck no. I'm like, I think that actually makes me look way more lame. Do you guys think I should have been like, hey, I was the guy from the MVAs that gave you the CD. Mm. I was also terrified that'd be like, oh, you're the guy that interrupted Pat's conversation at the after party. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Pat still talks about that moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think you should have said it because then he might have thought it was like serendipitous. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh my God, that's crazy. It's all full circle moment kind of thing. It is a more unique moment. And, and in retrospect, like now with the sort of, I wish I did say, hey, I, I wrangled you like five years ago at the MMVAs. Uh, so it's so cool that, you know, you're into the music that we're making now. and Well, it would come across, I think, as a you fucked up kind of thing. Like, hey, yeah, you, now you know we're great, but you fucked up. You had you the had chance, chance five years ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but we'll you know, still that's... do it now. We'll still do it now. You didn't fuck up that yeah, yeah, please. We still like to work with you. Yeah. Bring us to New York. Let's do this. You're just late. Better but late you... than never. <laughs> that era, though, of giving your demo and things happening, that, that, that became like old wives' tales of like how bands got deals because... If, if correct me if I'm wrong, Panic at the Disco. I think that's how they were discovered by Fall Out Boy. I think they like gave them a demo of whatever their big song was, and then they were like, in two months later, their song was number one on Billboard or whatever. It was like one of those. Well, now it's done stories. via TikTok, so it's the same thing happens. It's just mm-hmm. done from TikTok. Everyone yeah. can reach out, and I will say, like for any like young aspiring industry people, and I don't know, maybe you guys have some insight on whether like sort of the the etiquette has changed on this, but that was also wildly unprofessional. And I probably risked getting reprimanded if it had, but I also think that I'm pretty good, uh, you know, the pat interruption aside at sort of gauging like the level of like, like reading the room in that moment. Like it, you know, we had sort of built a rapport over the course of the day, you know, like Pete and, and the guys, like I didn't feel like it was like a huge risk to hand the CD over. Whereas if you read that wrong and then he says something to the manager and the manager says something to like someone at, at much, it can be like, what the fuck did you do? Like, it is so wildly unprofessional yeah. as a guy there in like a wrangling capacity. Uh, but you got to take swings, right, Maxie? It, it's true. It's it's like, on one hand, what do you have to lose? Uh, my job. Your and job, also you, yes. Yeah, yeah, your job. Security, <laughs> financial security. Yeah, you know, yes. my career, my future. <laughs> Food in children's <laughs> mouths. Um, but then I do think that there is something kind of cool about it. If you're hanging out with somebody for an extended period of time, like in a studio and you're like the third assistant in the studio... If you're just a good hang and you don't really say anything and you develop a real thing and you don't say anything about your band and then it kind of comes out naturally. I know in, in that situation, I'm always like, oh, yo, you, you have a band. Tell me about your band. I like you. Like, But if you come out too hot and it's like, hey, check my band, check my band, and then it's like a little bit like, oh, okay, okay, okay. So it's, it's You're it's right. A fine you got to leave it till the end if the yeah. vibe is right. 
Yeah. Uh, Maxi, in your early days, did you slip CDs to anybody? What's the sort of most like uh, sort of um, forward facing thing you did? In oh, order to I, get music I, heard? I was so annoying. I was so fucking <laughs> annoying. No doubt. I can't even remember any particular like instances, but like I can tell you that like, yeah, I was giving our CD to everybody. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think there is something to be said about being a tryhard, which is also good. Speaking of uh, fame and encounters, I wanted to ask you, Mike, and I might have uh, during that night, but I can't recall. uh, Did you have any Mike on much fan listener encounters? I don't want to say fans, but listener encounters, because the Arkell show is pretty much the hub where all Mike on much fans congregate. Yeah. So here's the deal. (laughs) Uh, the, the quick answer is no, I didn't. Uh, the long answer is I was surprised because in the past when we've been at our Kel shows, it's happening like every 10 feet, right? Shani, like yes. people are recognizing us. The thing is I, like I was, <laughs> that's right. Uh, I will say this, and this was cool about the venue is they really enforced like mask wearing, um, which I would have done anyway, but the minute you left your like seat to go get a drink, let's say they're like mask before you enter the concourse. So there was no time when it wasn't like at my seat, like sitting next to Molly or whatever, or our pals, you, I was with you for a bit because we were kind of all, you know, everyone was standing up. There was no time where I wasn't in my seat where I wasn't wearing my mask. So I don't know how anybody would like recognize me, even if like it was possible. You have a more sort of um, um, recognizable hair flow, maybe your eyes, your height. Did you get recognized? Um, well, I had a funny moment because I was with J.R. Diggs and he was getting really excited to get recognized also because I think he feels like our Kells hub might be where he would get recognized a lot because he works with you, Max, a lot, and you filmed at Long Point Lodge, and uh, you do the Acoustic Christmas every year, so which JR runs. But I think he got recognized once, and he's like, huh, you see that? And I was like, well, you know, I'll probably get recognized a lot. He's like, I don't think you will. We had like a little bit of a competition, but I'm wearing the mask, and I'm feeling like I'm not going to get recognized at all. But just as I finished saying that, I take off my mask to take a sip of beer because you're allowed to do that. You don't have to drink the beer through the mask. <laughs> and the second I took the mask off for like literally two seconds, someone goes, hey, Shane, big fan of the pod. And I just go, oh, thanks. And then put the mask back on. And I just looked at Jared. <laughs> but it was a really awesome moment because it felt like had I had my mask off all night, I would be hounded. But it was just perfect coincidence <laughs> that that man walked by. And it was a very respectable looking man. He had like gray hair. He looked like he was probably like the boss of a like Fortune 500 company or something. Wow. It was a cool moment. That's yeah. cool. I like that. It's great. Yeah, your yeah. success rate is 100% basically exactly. when you show your math, your face. But when I did, uh, I took a picture of you, the Arkells, and put it on on Instagram. And I got about 14 messages of people saying, oh, I, I wish I could have said hi. Oh, I saw you walking around mm. getting a beer, but I was nervous. And that made me very flattered. That's cool. That's very oh, cool. Oh, man. Well, and to any listeners that, that didn't get to, to say hi to us, uh, and thanks for, well, one, thanks for listening. Two, I'm sorry that, you know, it's like these times are weird times. You kind of stay in your spot. Uh, you know what I mean? When you're kind of at a, at a show, but it was such an awesome show. And hopefully at the next one, there's more, uh, more freedom to, to walk around and say what's mm-hmm. up and fist bump with people. But um, I guess to sort of sum this up, Max, what are your sort of takeaways from the whole endeavor? Um, yeah, no, just really uh, proud of um, the whole team because it was, it was such an undertaking. Uh, you know, when you're on tour, usually you kind of like build upon the last thing that you did. And this is just starting from scratch, right? So and nobody had really worked in a year and a half. So there's just so much to do. It's kind of a never-ending laundry list. And we decide to take on 
more than most bands, I think, when it comes to like how much TLC we put into the production and everything happening around the show and the merch and the messaging, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, uh, you know, shouts to manager Ash for directing the whole damn thing. And, uh, Always. yeah. And everybody who came to the show. And I love seeing all my friends out there in the front row. So thank you. Speaking thank of you. our friends in the front row. My brother somehow got a bucket hat within his first five minutes of being there. Did he, did he snag that through like Greg means meaning yeah, not paying, he, or did he go and he buy it? At out direct to like Ash and, and, and I and was just like, I need a bucket. Hat. Apparently, it was really pissing off everybody looking at Greg in the bucket hat. I saw him from the stage and. He looked ridiculous because he had a very colorful jacket on and the bucket hat. And he was kind of swaying side to side drunkenly. And <laughs> apparently he was pissing everybody off. Like Sean wanted to punch him. Dan Hamilton wanted to punch him. Like everybody just, he had a, he was a, had a very punchable look. Uh, would you agree it was, with that? It was just the look or was he being an agitator? Because he seemed like he was both. in a lovely mood. Okay, that's funny. Both. That's yeah, funny. Yeah. I he think did like wear... A- well, all we ever talk about on this pod is like uh, Greg's style, uh, sort of uh, uh, um, acumen. And so uh, we actually met up with my brother, me and our good friend uh, Unsworth got into town and then we met up with my brother and he came walking up wearing this. It was actually a sweater, not a coat, but it was a very sort of like bold colorway choice with like a weird collar. And it felt like a, like a strong fashion choice. Uh, and I was like, wow, like he's going for it. I think that with the bucket hat was just a look. And, and I, everybody always praises him, but I did wonder, I'm like, I wonder how this one will go over because I never know. Shane, what did you think of his look that night? The hat looked interesting, and I do think it gave his personality. It's almost like when Jim Carrey wore the, the mask in the movie The Mask, he became a different person. I felt like Greg was a little bit more of an agitator, and he felt cooler because he knew that hat was harder to get your hands on, probably. And it was a newer piece of merch. It was like he had like a Liam Gallagher swag once the bucket 100%, hat went on. Yes, and Liam Gallagher made those bucket hats pretty cool in the 90s, I think. And Max is bringing him back in the 2020s. Yes. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about your choices on stage. Like, because <laughs> shorts is an interesting choice. It's almost like anti-fashion and it's cool in a, the way that it's not cool. How did you come to those choices? Well, you know, the I'm, I've become known for my uh, rainbow jacket, right? And you can't just keep going back to the well. You got to keep pushing for it. I think when I first brought out the rainbow jacket, people were like, what's with the rainbow jacket? That's, that's kind of crazy. So when you are on the frontier of fashion, Shane, you do things that maybe seem strange in the moment. And then we look back and I'm actually a visionary. So uh, time will tell. Time will tell. <laughs> and are all like, who's making this clothing? How do you find <laughs> stuff like this? A lot of it was thrifting. Uh, Ash and I were like just finding cool vintage stuff. But then we also had signature shirts made that would go. So we, we'd find like an interesting pair of shorts, like that shark bite short, the one that I wore on Sunday. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, then, and then we had a custom shirt that said night three on the back. And the expression on it was back for no, one more time. And then we found a jacket that would m- m- match with that. So there was a lot of like color coordinating happening uh, in the last few weeks. Nice. Yeah. And Nick wearing the chain outside. Like I found the two things that got a lot of attention was you wearing shorts and Nick wearing the chain over his collared shirt. Is is that you making him wear that to be cool or did he come to that on his own? I, I think it was a conversation that Ash had. I forget. Ash can probably text me what it was, but um, I don't know what the inspo was specifically, but we we're just like, Nick, how do you feel about chains? And Nick was like, 
I love it. Suit me up. Then we got him some chains and the rest is history. I think when there's like our friend row there, uh, like as we're watching the show, enjoys it so much is because we know Nick as such like a laid back, low maintenance, like Jay's hat guy, you know? Not uh, a showy guy. No. So when he rolled out with the chain, I think our group got like the biggest kick out of like him going <laughs> for the fashion style. Cause we're just like, wow, like, okay, Nick, three nights at Bud stage and rolls out with like a chain. Well, and okay, well, down up he, to the, top. the first night was one night, one chain. Second night was two chains. Third night, three chains. So that, that, that was the strategy. Yeah. It was awesome. It was awesome. Uh, well, congrats on everything uh, to you and the guys and obviously to Ash. Uh, you guys, you know, you did it. You did the damn thing. We, we damn did it. Yeah, okay, let's, let's keep it going. Let's get to some topics. Uh, first topic. <laughs> that, that was kind of a topic, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, whatever. We'll, just, we'll keep going until we get to the surprise. Uh, uh, th- when I saw this story, because I saw it before you put it in the group, I actually did think of you. And, and the headline was, Larry David was relieved to get 86th from Barack Obama's birthday party. So the former U.S. president had to, had to scale back the guest list for his 60th birthday party. Can you believe that Obama's only 60 years old? Like, that feels young for an ex-president, but not... Like, he has a very young, like, an energy in some ways. So it's like, in some way, it just... I remember, I remember thinking that felt young because, like, Trump's, like, 75, like, while he was serving as president. So to only be turning 60 after, like, doing eight full years as a president feels very young to me. To me, it feels um, old for some reason. He's one of those people who is, like, eternally 45 in my mind. Yeah. Mm. I can see that. It, looks it is. It's very contradicting. Um, but essentially, the, the story of this is that uh, uh, Obama was throwing a 60th birthday party. They had a huge guest list. Uh, was this in Martha, Martha's Vineyard? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, so Larry was invited. Maybe he's a neighbor out there in that, that elite hood. And... Um, and because of the Delta variant, uh, they decided to scale back. So they basically had to start cutting names from this list to sort of get the numbers down on the guest list. And Larry David was one of them. And now you'd think, okay, like, uh, uh, you'd be bummed out. You just got uninvited from Obama's 60th birthday party. It's going to be this iconic thing. Larry David, of course, is a very unique individual. And the whole point of this story is that he was thrilled to get out of the party. That was his whole position was that he was delighted. He couldn't believe it. Uh, in the story, it says that he had gotten a call from like Obama's assistant and he'd missed it and he was stressed out because he's like, oh, like he's going to ask me to perform. I'm going to have to come up with new material. So he started getting really like stressed <laughs> out so that when the next call came through and it was like a super apologetic like uh, assistant being like, yeah, sorry, unfortunately, we have to cut. Larry David said he was thrilled because he was like, oh, not only do I not have to perform, but now I don't have to go to this party max what about this story uh, did you enjoy the most well i was just thinking about uh if we were in that situation if we were hosting the party and you had to cut people no. uh, who, <laughs> from the Obama how you'd make okay yeah how, oh yeah how you'd make that decision because I, I can tell you we have some sensitive friends and i'd be very mm. afraid to to uninvite uh certain people maybe certain people on this podcast even uh if, if, <laughs> because <laughs> like you know it's like because and by the way the, the scale of the party is obviously very big in the obama case but if let's say it was like a 10 person party and then i had to cut it down to six or something and for whatever reason i had to tell shane sorry shane like i just can't have you because you know for whatever reason i'd be i would be very terrified to tell shane because i think uh well, okay, so you this hypothetical handle- party here, are you envisioning it like it's Nick Nurse and Vince Carter's there and like the, like Coldplay? Is this the type of party it is? Or is this our friends and I'm being cut from our immediate friend group? Mm, that, that's a good Because to me, those are totally different things. And I would actually prefer to be cut from a party 
where I have to be on and potentially uncomfortable around all these famous celebrities. Mm. But if it was our close friends and you were cutting me from this awesome experience where we all got to hang, that would hurt me. Yeah, yeah. No, that that's, that is a very fair way to look at it. Because you're right. One is like a showy thing, which is just like, is Obama really close friends with all these fucking people? No, they're just like trying to flex. If it was close friends, that's where it'd be uh, a little more sensitive. Mike, would you be insulted if Vince Carter, Nick Nurse, um, you Coldplay. know, Kyle Lowry, Coldplay <laughs> were all coming to my birthday? And then I was like, Mikey, sorry. I think I literally had like a dream about this. Thing. Uh, I... He, I, honestly, I think I think what Shane says rings true. If it's like the more intimate like experience where it's like, you know, oh, Max is having a really tight birthday party. And then you kind of look at the list and it's our close friends. And it's like, you're the guy cut from the list. You go, ah, oh, wow, that's kind yeah. of a bummer. But, you know, whatever. I get it. You move on. If it's how, the, how would you guys make the call, though, if you if you were in, in Barack Obama's position? Like, how would you go about like evaluating people's like psyche or level of celebrity when it comes to like being on the cutting room floor? I, I guess I try to do it mostly who I talk to the most. It, this problem mm. arises during weddings. I, I had a yeah. couple people not come in. And then a month later, I was like, what was I doing? I should have invited those people. That was dumb. Like this. They could have obviously fit. It was just the nature of it being my first wedding. I thought I needed to keep it tighter. Uh, you'll get it right the, the next time. Yeah. Being all of another one. Yeah, once yeah, <laughs> Nick and Alex uh, went out together. No, th- and honestly, th- Chain nails it. This this happens with 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 uh, wedding parties, like your dudes, mm. right? Like it's like it's hard to pick those guys, and that's how you end up with like eight people, like I did. You know what I mean? And then and then you and then you create like a host position to get somebody else, and like it's like you start like expanding it, but you just yeah, you got <laughs> the wedding gotta, thing is probably the best analogy for it. Totally, just like where do I cut the list? Yeah. Uh, if I've never had a conversation on the phone with a person, I think that puts them in a good position to be cut. Because sometimes you're friends with somebody and you're pretty good friends and they're a champagne boy, but you're friends because they're like three removed from your very, very Mm. close knit and you wouldn't talk to them one-on-one on on a telephone call. Here's one thing to add though. I think there's also room and and I think Larry David probably falls in this category and probably everybody has a friend who truly doesn't give a shit, who loves you. But, and like, and, and if you, and if you go and like, listen, I'm getting killed right now. I, my, my guess list is over. I'm dealing with a bunch of other people that are going to be very upset if I if I cut them. Do you mind if you just don't come? And then they go, I don't give a fuck. Sure, I'll see you on Monday. You know, you know what, what I mean? this like, is though? What? You're you're weirdly the exact you're the exact opposite of what Shane and I just said. I feel like any like friend hang, if we were like, oh, it's overpass, you'd be like, yeah, no problem, buddy, and you wouldn't give a shit because it would just be an obligation anyway. Whereas yeah. if like Shane was having like Nathan Fielder over and some other pe- like cool mm. famous, you'd be like, yo, how did I not get on that list? Oh, sure, that's fair. Maybe yeah, that that's a fair. I feel like uh, you'd have the opposite sort of thing where it's like it's like oh, I want to be amongst sort of these interesting people that are doing things. Whereas yeah. if it was just like a backyard hang, I think you'd be more readily be like oh yeah i get it it's too many people yeah, yeah that's true that's true it depends on what the stakes are yeah because yeah. you want to yeah. network and you know slip in those mp3 files or whatever those <laughs> usb sticks <laughs> um let's get the shane surprise let's do it okay my shane surprise this week is a little bit thematic so i was at uh, the after party and I was talking to a fan of Max. 
But this guy, and I won't, I'm not saying any names, but this person was a little upset. And he was on a rant, he was ranting and raving. Keep in mind, he probably had some shots from Nick Nurse and everything. And he was saying that, you know, he tried to, he went up to talk to you, but then he didn't get enough time with you and he wanted to really like bro down or something. And uh, he was upset and he just thought the whole party was fake and that there was a lot of fake people. And so I was, I was like, listen, I'm like, I podcast with Max and like, I think we're pretty close friends, probably top 10. I guess we'll find out at the next party. But um, <laughs> he, he just said hi to me and just like, I, I wanted to talk to him more. And he just said, he's glad handing people all night. And this is like, it's work for him, this party in a sense. He's like, ah, no, nah, everybody's fake here or whatever. So anyway, Why do I feel like there's a special guest coming on? No, no, I swear, I wouldn't do this. I know. Is this, is this, is this someone we all know, by the way? No, I just, had just met this names. person and I, I don't want to say oh, their name. I I thought it was Diggs. It's not Diggs? No, it's not Diggs. No, no. Oh. Wait a second, but how was there somebody at the party that didn't know any... Like, that party was really intimate. Like, everyone you looked at, you kind of knew. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was a sneak in. I don't know. I don't okay. know. I Honestly, I'd never seen this person before in my life. He said I was the only real person at the party. <laughs> <laughs> I was very flattered. Because you gave him some time. Yeah, I was the only one giving him time. Somehow we review like the security footage and it's just Shane talking to himself in the mirror. <laughs> yeah, it's like Fight Club. <laughs> I am the guy who, I'm mad that Max wouldn't talk to me. I'm on a fucking podcast with that guy. Um, but I wanted to ask, you know, obviously we're all at different levels of fame. For someone like you who plays a show like that, what is the appropriate amount of time and way to behave and expectation that should be of you in regards to your your time and behavior? Like, Good question. I mean, if, I, if I'm choosing to go to an after party, I'm, I'm leaving myself open to talking to not only my friends, but also maybe some strangers. Um, and I think... All actually, I got to give a huge shout out to the Champagne Boys. Every we've been doing this long enough; they all get it. You guys get it. It's like after showtime isn't like a real time to like bro down and hang out, right? Like we can do that any other time. So it's like there is a certain amount of glad handing that happens, or people that you don't necessarily get to see very often that are there to support you. There's lots of different types of relationships there. So. I think it's it is on me to try to like do my best to make time for everybody. But yeah, but who is this person? I, I've never met this person before in my life. I swear to you. But how much time, like a, a person you never met, comes up to you, talks? What should be expected in terms of time and how you're to like act? If like, how would you like the person to act? Just say hi and leave. Stick around. Oh, for like, hey, how's it going? Do you have a good time? I mean, I think I'm pretty good at putting in like a minute with a person that's like feels sort of meaningful. So yeah, one minute. Like, well, what do you think? What do you think, Shane? For me, I'm pretty good for an hour. If any, if anyone wants, <laughs> I'm at a different fame level, though. <laughs> That's it. That's all. That is our episode. Thank you so much for listening. Congrats to Kels for the three nights of Bud Stage. Uh, thanks for listening. And see you next week.